Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So, inshallah ta'ala, we are continuing with ayah number 13, in which Allah ta'ala says, Inna al-abarara lafi... Inna al-abarara lafi na'im. Indeed, the righteous will certainly be in pleasure. Well, actually, the word will is kind of an added to the translation. If you, if you were to translate it exactly right, it would be, in al- indeed, the righteous are certainly in. They are certainly in pleasure. Now, the first thing I would like to take a look at is this term, uh, al-abarar. It is the plural of either barun or barun. And this is a jama'ul qilla. Jama'ul qilla means the smaller plural. In English, you only have one type of plural. You just put an S on the end, right? Let's say book, books. That's it. There is no thing as like a bigger jama'ul uh, kathra, right? A bigger plural, like books with two S's or three S's to make it bigger and bigger. But in Arabic, there is. Uh, subhanallah. So uh, uh, this is an amazing qawlun, aqwalun, aqawil, for example, right? There's a statement, there's statements, and there's lots of statements, aqawil. So there's many different examples of this, and this is one of them. Uh, barrun, a righteous person, abarar, many righteous people, and bararah, a very, very large quantity. Allah Ta'ala in this surah is talking about the, the many righteous, speaking about the human beings, because there are, inshallah, going to be many people that go to paradise. But in surah 80, which is surah Abasa, ayah number 16, Allah Ta'ala talks about bararah, kiramim uh, bararah, and Allah Ta'ala is referring to who? The angels, because they're also righteous, but they are in way, way bigger numbers. So this is, subhanAllah, the precision of the Qur'an. This is called jam'u kathra. Now, this sentence is in the present tense, which, which means that, obviously, the most common interpretation is that Allah is using the present tense to imply certainty. In other words, Allah Ta'ala is saying, it's as if they're already there. It's so certain that the righteous will be in paradise, it's as if they're already there. That's why the present tense is being used. However, another interpretation that's possibly uh, uh, you know, relevant is that the present tense is used because the righteous are currently in a certain kind of pleasure, the pleasure of guidance. The pleasure of guidance in this world which leads to paradise to the next. In other words, no matter what hardship you're going through, you have a certain type of na'im in your heart. And there's a famous statement from uh, Ibn Taymiyyah who talks about like, you know, anybody who hasn't tasted the, 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 the paradise in their heart will never, ter- uh, will never experience the paradise of the hereafter. He was talking about Iman. Iman is its own pleasure. It's its own sweetness. So yes, why are the righteous al-bar or al-bar in pleasure? Because uh, they are on stable ground. And al-bar also means, one of the meanings of it is stable. It means the earth. Al-barri wal-bahr, right? The bar is the earth. Al-bahr is the sea. And so there is a distinction between the two. Why? Because the person who is righteous, he's on firm ground. He feels stable. Whereas the person who is wicked, is as, it's as if they're out to sea. They're in uh, uh, danger. This is something that Allah Ta'ala mentions in Surah An-Nur. أَوْ ظُلُمَاتٍ فِي بَحْرٍ لُجِّيٍ يَغْشَاهُ مَوْجٌ مِنْ فَوْقِهِ مَوْجٌ مِنْ فَوْقِهِ سَحَابٌ ظُلُمَاتٌ بَعْضُهَا فَوْقَ بَعْضٍ إِذَا أَخْرَجَ يَدَهُ that Allah Ta'ala says, or are they like, uh, they are like the ones, the disbelievers, are like the ones who are in darknesses within an unfathomable sea, which is covered by waves upon which are waves upon which are clouds. Darknesses, some of them upon others, when one puts his hand out right in front of him, he can hardly see it. So dark that you can't even see your hand right in front of you. And he who, uh, to whom Allah Ta'ala has not granted light, for him there is no light. So this concept that being righteous is making you on stable ground, whereas wickedness is like you are on complete, um, uh, you could say, you know, obviously when you're in the sea, you don't know what's swimming, swimming underneath you. you, you don't know, you know, it's just, not, and if you add in addition to that, the fact that you can't swim very fast, the fact that you can't swim for very long, and the fact that you're in darkness and you don't know your direction, subhanAllah, it's like the worst of situations, so you can appreciate uh, the analogy. 
And furthermore, the idea that al-bir, or you know, being righteous is it's as if you're on stable ground makes sense because the earth is something that is stable, but it's also something that is wide, meaning there's lots of possibility, and it's also something that bears fruits, just as goodness opens up more possibilities, provides more freedom, and also it leads to more fruitfulness, as opposed to sin, which is unstable, restrictive, it yields no fruits, and it shackles and enslaves the individual. So then Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِنَّ الْفُجَّارَ لَفِي جَحِيمٍ and indeed, the wicked will be in Jahim, the fire of hellfire. This is interesting that uh, the word here is fajara uh, yafjuru, or the root verb is fajara yafjuru, fajran or fujuran, which already occurred in the surah. When did these root letters occur in the surah before? Ayah number three. Fujirat, that's the one, there you go. So, related to what? The sea. Right? Didn't we say a second ago that the evil, wickedness, instability of the sea? So subhanahu wal-biharu fujirat. So again, you're having this correlation here. It's not just, wallahu ta'ala alam. It doesn't seem like to be a coincidence here that Allah ta'ala is associating the righteous with barr, al-barri wal-bahar. And the bahar is fujjar and fujirat, the exploding, the waters and boiling over and so forth. So subhanAllah, there seems to be a correlation here. Allah says, وَإِذَا الْبِحَارُ fujirat. Right? So what does a fajir well, who is a fajr or a fujjar? Who are these people? They are people who go overboard. People who go overboard with their evil. Now, what is the difference between al-fujur and al-fisq? Al-fujur and fisq are both mean evil or wickedness, but fisq is when you do a major sin, a you know, a kabira, a major sin one time. Something very big, something very egregious. So you could say the focus is on the quality. Whereas fujur is when you do the sin, any sin habitually and it becomes worse and worse and worse. You know, khutuwat shaytan you keep on getting deeper and deeper until uh, it gets beyond uh, your control. And that, therefore, is qu- uh, quantity versus, uh, uh, yeah, qu- uh, that is the quantity versus quality, right? And uh, uh, yes, uh, this is from the book uh, Al-Furuq Al-Luhawiyyah by Abu Hilal Al-Askari. If anybody's wondering where I got that definition from, that's where I got the definition. Fisq is for quality, fujur seems to be for quantity. So Allah Ta'ala is warning that those who keep on going back to sin over and over again, no matter how many chances they had, and all of it was recorded by the angels, as was mentioned in the previous ayat, all, every single one was recorded by the angels, this person will be in Jahim. Jahim is an interesting word because it comes from the root verb tajahama, which means to burn with vehement desire to, and covetousness and greediness, which is explained by Allah Ta'ala says what? That Jahannam has the qualities of the people of Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala says, on that day, we will, we will say to hellfire, have you been filled? And, and, and Jahannam will say, is there more? So Jahannam has, uh, uh, you could say, gluttony, uh, covetousness, greediness. Give me more, give me more. It has viciousness uh, in Surah um, 67, which is Surah Mulk. Allah Ta'ala mentions uh, uh, that it's, it's, it's like exploding with rage. So just the same way people of hellfire have rage issues and are uh, gl- uh, greedy and gluttonous and so on and so forth, all these different major sins, subhanAllah, it seems that hellfire has all of those qualities as well. And the interesting word about the word uh, uh, jahim is that it comes from the root word uh, uh, jahma, which, which means yani al-ain. Uh, according to Lisan al-Arab. And jahama means to fix one's gaze and to stare intensely. So as the disbelievers are, stare, as are staring at hellfire, hellfire is staring back. The, this this tajahama, it means the, 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 the death glare of a lion. I'm sure we've all watched National Geographic and you see how the lion just kind of stares at its prey. <laughs> it's got that, you know, the big mane and those, you're just kind of staring and you get that, that rageful look, right? So that, that sort of intense death glare is uh, being implied by jahim. So, subhanAllah, may Allah Ta'ala protect us that in al-fujara la fi jahim, this hungry lion, this, this uh, covetous, angry lion of hellfire finally is going to get them, is staring at them, and they have to stare back. And again, you could say that the present 
tense is used. Why? Number one, the in interpretation, the most common is to imply certainty. It, Allah says it's happening to imply there's no doubt it will happen in the future. But the other interpretation, again, similar concept, is that the fajr is suffering an internal punishment of wickedness in this life before the hereafter. Some disbelievers, no matter how much worldly success they achieve, are living in a, you could say, quote unquote, a living hell. In the sense that uh, it doesn't matter how much wealth they have, they know none of it means anything, it has no greater purpose, and they know it's all gonna be taken away from them, so they can't even enjoy what little they have. May Allah Ta'ala protect us. Yes. So, what's interesting is that the previous surah, uh, which was surah 81, which is surah Takwir, Allah Ta'ala finishes the surah right near the end with the question, Fa'ina tadhabun, where are you going? Right? And then in this surah, Allah Ta'ala tells you where you're going. <laughs> so it's quite interesting that Allah Ta'ala asked in the previous surah near the end, where are you going? Think about it. And then in this surah, Allah Ta'ala says, I'll tell you where you're going. The righteous are going to the paradise, uh, going to the pleasure. And, and, and uh, na'im can mean uh, pleasure or something that is, ni'mah can mean something soft, luxurious, something that is uh, comfortable, uh, expensive, and many different other meanings. And the disbelievers will be going to the fire. Yaslawnaha yawmaddin. Salah uh, uh, yasli and uh, saliyun means to uh, means to trip into something, to stumble into something, to something, or to f to be forced into something. The conclusion is that you didn't intend to go there, and yet you got there anyhow. And this uh, verb is only used for the fire of hell. Wama hum Now this is a very very emphatic statement. Uh, most of us uh, wouldn't maybe notice it, but the expected sentence would be something like leisu ra'ibina anha. That means, uh, so uh, they will never be absent from it. They will never be absent from it. Allah Ta'ala says it quite differently. Instead of using the laysa, Allah says, وَمَا هُمْ This is a much more powerful statement, much more powerful refutation. So a good example to explain it would be, if somebody says to you, uh, uh, where were you? And you say, I wasn't at the store, Right? They didn't think you were at the store, but you're just explaining that you weren't there, just as a matter of fact. But if they say, you were at the store, right? And they say, no, it's not what you think. Actually, I wasn't at the store. So you see, it's slightly different. It's, it's, this time you are uh, making a negation in refutation to a misconception. That's where, that's the difference between laysa and wamahum. So it's not what you think. Wamahum anha There is no getting away from this. Contrary to popular beliefs, contrary to your misconception, there's no way you're getting out of this. Wamahum anha or they are getting out of this, excuse me. And also the anha is, uh, has taqdeem, it's been advanced. You'd expect, anha. But Allah says, anha In this particular, you might escape lots of other things, but this, you're not going to escape. This in particular, it's specified. Uh, so what is the lesson? Why the emphasis with wamahum, with the taqdeem of anha, why so much emphasis, even the back could be considered a form of, of, of emphasis. So, so three layers of emphasis, why? Because many people think, that when other people do evil, it's worthy of punishment. But when I do the exact same thing, it's not that bad because I'm exceptional. You know, I can't believe you lied to me. How dare you? That was horrible. You should never lie. You should be punished for your lie. Me, you know, I just, it wasn't that I lied. It's just I didn't want to tell you. You know, I felt bad. You know, we always pat ourselves on the back. When I do it, it's not so bad. But when somebody else does it, you know, it's terrible. So Allah Ta'ala is clarifying here. No, no, don't think of yourself as the exception. Evil is evil. So, why will nobody be absent? Because we just learned in eye number 14 that Hellfire will be staring intensely at the criminals and the criminals won't be able to avoid the eye contact regardless of how intimidated they are. And what can make you know, what can make you understand what this yawmuddin, this day of recompense truly is? Then again, what can make you understand what this 
uh, day of recompense is. Uh, and this could mean, this could be referring to the two, stage, uh, two stages, like you, you die and then you are resurrected. That is the first stage of it. And then you could say after that is the actual judgment or the actual being placed into hellfire. So there's different stages. So it could be that you get resurrected and you are like, oh, now I get it. And then further down, no, no, now I actually get it. You know, like for example, you get punished in the grave and you think, oh, now I understand the truth. And it's like, when you're entered into the fire, like, no, no, now I really, really get it. So the thumma here, is for a delay. So you're truly, what can make you possibly understand? The emphasis here is saying what you will never be able to understand. And it's amazing, subhanAllah, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, uh, switching. You see, uh, the, the surah began with such a softer tone. O human being, what has deluded you from your generous Lord? But now the tone has become harsh with the uh, doubling of the question, which conveys the emotional outcry. Repetition is used to horrify, to magnify, and to emphasize loss. You are losing out, so don't take this as a joke. In other words, uh, you'll never be able to comprehend this day, so uh, take advantage while you still can. Last ayah, inshallah ta'ala, ayah number 19, in which Allah ta'ala says, Yoma, uh, now of course there's two readings of this, it could be Yoma or Yomu. If it's Yoma and it's Nasub or Mansub, then that is a Dharf uh, Zaman, implying the day in which. But it could be Yomu, which is a Rafa' or Marfu' which is Badl, as in it's a response to the question of Wama Adarakama Yomuddin Yomu. So that's a little technical detail, but it's still interesting uh, as to what it implies. However, the main, uh, the main reading uh, is which is implying what? Well, we learned in Surah 80, in Surah Abasa, Ayat 34 to 37, just a few surahs ago, that nobody will want to have anything to do with anybody on that day, right? We learned this lesson when Allah Ta'ala says, right? That day that a person will run from you know, his, his own children, his mother, his father. You're going to run away from your own wife. You're going to run away from everybody. Get away. Now, we learned that no one will want to have anything to do with another person. Yet here we learn that even if they wanted to have something to do with that person, even if they wanted to help, they couldn't. <laughs> the day when a soul will not possess for any other soul any power to do anything. You won't have any idin to help any, uh, anybody else out. And the affair and the command that day will be lillah, entirely belonging to Allah subhanahu, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, this term nafs here, Muqatil says that nafs, yani al-nafs al-kafirah. This is specifically speaking to and referring to the disbelieving nafs. Not every nafs, but specifically the disbeliever. We all know that the objective of shirk, why is it that people commit shirk to begin with? What is the psychology behind shirk to begin with? Shirk is to avoid doing deeds and yet still have a shortcut to heaven due to the special help of an intercessor before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know this in terms of the mushrikeen would say, the idols, they are getting us closer to Allah, they are intercessors, they're going to give us the backdoor, uh, quick, uh, you know, route to paradise. We know even today, uh, if you ask the Christian, they say, I'm too sinful, I can't, I don't do any good deeds, I, I know that the Jews had all these different laws that they had to implement. We don't implement any of those laws. Why? Because we're just going to depend on Jesus. Jesus is going to stand for us, he was our sacrifice, he went to hell for us, he took our punishment for us, I have my own shortcut. I, my, my deeds don't uh, uh, aren't my own. Um, all my evil I've thrown onto him. Right? So this is whether it's the, the names may change, but the concept is always the same. You are using somebody else as your scapegoat through uh, to do tawassul or to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through somebody else. So we know this to be the case. Allah ta'ala is affirming that nobody will be able to override Allah's decision. Similar to, this is exactly what Allah is saying in this ayah, similar to, مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ 
who can override my decision except by my own, or, 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 or I should say, and who can intercede with him, who can intercede with Allah Ta'ala except by his permission. You can't do it. This idea that, oh, don't worry, I will be judged by God, but somebody else is going to step in, in the way. Al-amru lillah. Everything belongs to Allah Ta'ala on that day. This is all nonsense. So be careful. Uh, the surah began with what appeared to be absolute chaos, and yet the final verse proves that all this is entirely in Allah Ta'ala's control. Allah Ta'ala was in control the whole time, so you see a contrast there. Sayyid Qutb, rahimahullah, he says something very interesting. Awwaluha hawlun wa harakun wa altirabun wa akhiruha samtun wa mahabatun wa sukunun wa baynahuma lawmun wa itabun. He says, this surah, it begins with fright and movement and disturbance, and it ends with silence and awe and tranquility. And in the middle is blame and reprimand. So subhanAllah, it's a very beautiful way of putting it, uh, very concise. This is the only surah in the Qur'an that ends with lafzul jalala. Lafzul jalala refers to the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah. This name of Allah, Allah itself, no other surah in the Qur'an. I just checked, I was quickly going through, I was like, let me just double check this, because I wrote it in my notes, and I was like, is this true? Question mark? Quick, quickly double check it. So I double checked it, and yes, to my knowledge, inshallah, hopefully I didn't miss anything, but it seems that there is no other surah that ends with the name lafzul jalala, Allah. Yawma idhin lillah finishes with the name of Allah. Al-Baghwi says, Yawma la yumalliku Allahu fi thalika al-yawmi ahadan shay'an kama mallakahum fi dunya On that day, Allah won't give authority to anybody as he gave authority to the people in this life. There's a very interesting point about this, about this, this concept uh, of the dissemination of guilt. The dissemination of guilt. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the, uh, speaks to the slave on the individual level at the beginning of the surah from ayat 6 to 8. Right? Allah, Allah, oh, individual human being. Allah was speaking to the individual. The reality is that people often have moments of honest reflection when they are alone. But they're able to forget their obligations and become heedless when they are in groups or when they're being distracted by friends and movies and songs and celebrities and so on and so forth. It's much easier for people to do what they know is wrong when they're in a group as opposed to individually, which is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala switches from speaking to the individual to the group when Allah says, bal bid-deen in ayah number nine. So I'm just trying to do a summary now. At the beginning, a few ayat ago, it was in, to the individual. Oh, human being, why are you deluded? Think individually. Be alone for a second. Just think by yourself. Then, but you deny, you plural. See, in English it doesn't sound good when you say you. I'm saying y'all, let's say, right? You plural, right? You all deny. Why specifically the plural? Because you do it as a group. Why? Because it's this dissemination of guilt. If everybody's doing it, I should be okay too. It doesn't work like that. So, bending to peer pressure will st stab you in the back one day. This is uh, also the reason why Allah Ta'ala finishes, finishes with what? This exact ayah. This is the day when one person won't be able to help the other. So in other words, Allah is saying, I know I can appeal to you when I speak to you individually. And when you think about this one-on-one. -on -one. But when you're in a group, you deny. But guess what? On that day, no one will help anybody. You will not have a group with you. SubhanAllah. Don't all affairs at the end of the day go back to Allah Ta'ala? Yes, indeed, they, they will. So why is this day being highlighted? Well, because of the fact that Allah Ta'ala grants us free will on earth to obey or disobey. Uh, but judgment day, that Allah Ta'ala will take full control and sort everybody out. If anybody puts their hope or fear or love or reliance upon anybody other than Allah, then this is the day that they will regret it. Uh, there's a very uh, similar verse. Allah says, what? Allah says, Say, O Allah, owner of sovereignty, you give 
mulk or dominion or sovereignty to whom you will, and you take it from who you will. And you honor who you will, and you humble who you will. In your hands is all good. Indeed, you are over all things competent. So yes, a few last points, inshallah ta'ala. Abu Huraira he says, Ya Rasulullah, man as'adu nasi bi shafa'atika yawm al-qiyamah. So now we're not talking about the disbelievers, now we're speaking to the believers. Abu Huraira asks, O Messenger of Allah, who will be the luckiest person who will gain your intercession on Judgment Day? قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ظننت يا أبا هريرة أن لا يسألني عن هذا الحديث أحد أول منك لما رأيت لما رأيت من حرصك على الحديث. He says, Oh Abu Huraira, I didn't think anybody would ask me this question before you, because I see how much uh, fervor, حرص, how much uh, you know uh, determination you have with regards to hadith and learning. أسعد الناس بشفاء أسعد الناس بشفاعة يوم القيامة من قال لا إله إلا الله خالصا من قلبه أو نفسه. That the most happy person with my uh, intercession on Judgment Day will be the person who says La ilaha illallah sincerely from his heart, from the bottom of his heart, or from his soul, subhanAllah. So this goes to show that the Prophet in no way was calling to any sort of like, oh, if you, you know, worship me and calling upon me and doing, I don't know, this, that, or all these different shirki type behavior. No, no, no. Connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, yeah, that's first and foremost. And, and the, the, only, the only acceptable uh, way of, of being safe on that day. It's amazing that this surah began with the most terrifying moment that anybody can encounter in this life, which is watching this universe unravel, and the surah ends with the most terrifying moment a person can encounter in the next life, which is meeting one's maker after living a life of rejecting and disbelieving in your maker. SubhanAllah, may Allah protect us. So the final point that I want to make, inshallah ta'ala, is what? In this life, someone can have the most outlandish, the most false, the most offensive and arrogant and ignorant views in the whole wide world, and yet they will always be able to find someone to agree with them. You can always find somebody to agree with you and perhaps even defend your views. This is the definition of what? An echo chamber, an environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not considered. That's what an echo chamber implies. On that day, you won't have anybody to agree with you. On that day, it'll be you and the truth. And I say the truth, يعني الحق. Because the truth, al-haq, is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And your only chance is if you were on the side of al-haq, on the side of Allah, on, a, on the side of the truth in all circumstances. And then Allah ta'ala will indeed be on your uh, side in the next life. So may Allah ta'ala make us of those who do not get carried away with echo chambers. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who are always think individually and critically. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who ponder these ayat and appreciate every aspect of them. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who are safe on that day. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Wa jazam dal khairan. Wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.